0: This is Catholic Daily Brief. Episode 20. Are Eucharistic Miracles Real? In one of the previous episodes on... The belief of the church in the holy eucharist it seems pretty clear that belief in christ's real presence in the eucharist was a belief the apostles held because christ was pretty clear about it i'd like to begin just by reading from the bread of life discourse in the gospel of john chapter 6 i am the bread of life your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died this is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat of it and not die i am the living bread which came down from heaven If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats its bread will live forever. This he said in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. The reason I begin with this is because the primary source of our belief of Christ's real presence in the Eucharist are the words of Christ in sacred scripture, in the gospels. In that episode on mass in the early church, we saw abundant evidence from scripture and from the fathers of the church, the earliest fathers of the church, that this was the belief and that it was based on Christ's words in John chapter 6 and also in his words at the Last Supper. So this is the primary source of our belief. In talking about Eucharistic miracles, it's important to point that out. Because Eucharistic miracles are not the reason for our faith in the Eucharist, but rather they are more of a confirmation of it. They act to support or bolster our faith in Christ's real presence in the Eucharist. Even if no Eucharistic miracle had ever happened, we would still believe because the Word of God tells us that Christ is present there under the appearance of bread and wine. And while it is our faith that Christ is always present when Mass is celebrated under the appearance of bread and wine, There have been not a few times throughout the history of the Church where his presence in the Eucharist kind of breaks through that veil and we see real flesh and blood. Rather than just knowing that the reality is present but not the appearances, the appearances actually manifest. There's a list of all of the reported Eucharistic miracles throughout Church history. They were actually compiled by a young Italian man who lived pretty recently. His name's Blessed Carlo Acutis and he had a great devotion to the Eucharist, and he made a website of all of the Eucharistic miracles that had been reported, and he organized them by country. So just to give you an idea of how many times these things have been reported, in Austria there's three within the 14th and 15th century, in Belgium there's seven again in the 14th, 15th centuries, some in Egypt in the very early centuries, in France there's a dozen between the 13th and the 17th century, in Germany, pretty much the same. In Italy, dozens beginning in the very early times, 6th, 7th century, all the way up to the 18th century. Very recent one in Mexico, 2006. In the Netherlands, 8 reported. In Poland, 5. In Portugal. In Spain, over a dozen. Venezuela. The list goes on. Unless you think that this was the product of people being overly credulous about miracles, it's important to note that the church always takes a very skeptical stance when miracles are reported. Because if you basically latch on to any reported miracle and it ends up being not a miracle or a hoax or just a misunderstanding, then you kind of invite derision on your judgment about any miracles. So the church always takes a skeptical stance. If someone says they see the face of Mother Teresa in a cinnamon bun, you know, the church is like, okay, that's great, Uh, move along. But things like this are very rigorously examined. And most of the ones that I just listed are from centuries ago. But there are more recent ones, and even some of the older ones have been investigated by science and defied scientific explanation. So we'll limit ourselves to those instances. Because just to say that a bunch of people in the 13th century believed this, doesn't really convince a modern mind, and so you always kind of have to lean on science to make it credible to people nowadays. And by the way, if you want to look at all of these instances, I'll link to Blessed Carlo's website in the description of this episode, so you can browse that if you would like to go deeper. So to take one of the earliest recorded Eucharistic miracles, the miracle of Lanciano in Italy, happened in the year 750. So there was a priest celebrating mass and he had doubt about Christ's presence in the Eucharist. And when he was saying the words of consecration, this is my body, this is my blood, the host and the contents of the chalice began to transform into actual physical flesh and blood as it appeared to him at least. So this was an object of veneration after this happened for centuries. And finally it was tested in the 20th century in 1970, it was examined by a a doctor who was a professor of anatomy and chemistry and his report had the following results the substance is human blood ab blood type with the same protein distribution as found in normal fresh blood the flesh is human muscular striated tissue of the myocardium left ventricle arteries veins branch of vagus nerve can all be identified Like the blood, the flesh is also fresh living tissue because it responded rapidly to all the clinical reactions distinctive of living things, as if the flesh and blood samples had been taken that day, and there were no preservation techniques of any kind that he could detect. So that's pretty astounding, something that's 1,200 years old not only is found to be actual flesh and blood, but also appears to be fresh flesh and blood, living flesh and blood might say, oh that was in the 70s, we should should test it now. But I think in the 70s uh, we had already progressed to the point uh, where we could determine what was flesh and blood. So I don't think there's any reason to doubt the findings of this doctor. In 2006, this one just 16 years ago, there was a parish in Tixla, Mexico. While distributing communion, a host that was held began to emit a red substance. So there was a medical team who conducted research on this host, and it concluded that, quote, the reddish substance analyzed corresponds to blood, in which there are hemoglobin and DNA of human origin. The blood type is AB, similar to the one found in the host of Lanciano and in the Holy Shroud of Turin. So not only are you seeing similar results when these Eucharistic miracles are tested, but they have the same blood type and also the same blood type as the Shroud of Turin, when the blood on the Shroud was tested. In Legnika, Poland in 2013, so even more recent, on Christmas, there was a consecrated host that fell on the floor it was put into a container with water to dissolve. Uh, that's what one does when a host falls or if it can't be consumed in any other way. The priest will place it in, perhaps you've seen, a little jar of water next to a tabernacle in parishes. That's both to purify the priest's fingers after handling the host, but also in case there is a host that needs to be dissolved so that it can be reverently disposed of. So this host was tested. There's a Department of Forensic Medicine that did research on it and and found that, quote, In the histopathological image, the fragments were found containing the fragmented parts of the cross-striated muscle. It is most similar to the heart muscle. Okay, again, similar to the findings of the other ones. And the research found that the tissue had alterations that would appear during great distress. So, in the Mass, remember, we believe that it is the representation of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, and so we see here a heart under great distress. Another recent example happened in Buenos Aires, uh, Argentina, in 1996. There was a host that was discovered after Mass, uh, desecrated, unfortunately, and since the priest couldn't consume the host, he placed it in water to have it dissolve. A few days later, he found that the host appeared to be red and bloody. It was reported to the cardinal of the time, Bergoglio, who is now Pope Francis. He led an investigation after that host was miraculously preserved for years. So the scientist who took the sample and did the analysis determined that the analyzed substance was real flesh and blood containing human DNA, said that the analyzed material is a fragment of the heart muscle found in the wall of the left ventricle close to the valves. The muscle is responsible for the contraction of the heart. It should be borne in mind that the left cardiac ventricle pumps blood to all parts of the body. The heart muscle is in an inflammatory condition and contains a large number of white blood cells. This indicates that the heart was alive at the time the sample was taken. It is my contention that the heart was alive since white blood cells die outside a living organism. They require a living organism to sustain them. Thus, their presence indicates that the heart was alive when the sample was taken. What is more... These white blood cells had penetrated the tissue which further indicates that the heart had been under severe stress as if the owner had been beaten severely about the chest pretty amazing analysis and what's more amazing is that scientists who did this analysis was not aware where the sample came from there was another one in poland in 2008 in sokolka And the the situation was the same. A host had fallen to the ground and it was placed in water. And the results were the same as the other ones we just listed. So I won't go over that with the blood type and that it's heart tissue. But in this one, it was found that the remaining host, that is the remaining uh, appearance of bread, is tightly interconnected with the fibers of the human tissue. And they penetrate each other inseparably, as if the bread were transforming into flesh. One of the experts who examined this said, quote, Even NASA scientists, who have at their disposal the most modern analytical techniques, would not be able to artificially recreate such a thing." None of the scientists or teams who did these analyses on the various Eucharistic miracles were able to give a scientific explanation as to how this would be possible. So perhaps these Eucharistic miracles are just God's way of humbling our our hubris and our arrogance when it comes to science. Religious people, in particular Christians, are nowadays derided as being backwards, regressive, deniers of science, etc. And those are all false, of course. But perhaps in an effort to humble the proud, to bring down the mighty, so to speak, God has given us a little wink with these Eucharistic miracles, both to humble the proud and also to support our faith in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I found that whenever there is even the slightest doubt of the real presence, Reflecting on these Eucharistic miracles is a great help to stop that doubt. So science seems to confirm what we, because of Christ's words, had already believed, namely that even though we can't see the reality of Christ's body and blood in the Eucharist, it really is present there. These Eucharistic miracles just pull back the veil of the appearance of bread and wine and show us what really is the reality of Christ's body and blood that we consume in Holy Communion at Mass. So this is a a fruitful subject of reflection when we go to Mass, that we really are being united with Christ. We really are taking him into ourselves, into our souls and our bodies. And the more we are disposed and open to his grace, the more we are transformed into him. So are Eucharistic miracles real? They seem to be. Science seems to say they are, and we shouldn't be surprised because that's what Christ taught us was the reality that he really is the bread that came down from heaven. And so with science showing the the authenticity of these few miracles that we went into in this episode, it's reasonable to believe that many of the other ones, if not all of the other ones that are listed as Eucharistic miracles also were interventions of God to support our faith, to encourage our faith. So please do look at the website put together by Blessed Carlo Acutis. That'll be in the description of this episode. Also along these same lines, remember that tomorrow's, member episode will be about the elements of the Mass that are present in the book of Revelation. So please become a member at patreon.com slash catholicdailybrief to have access to that episode and also access to commentary by the Fathers of the Church on the Sunday and daily gospels and audio of various spiritual works. I also put a number of resources mentioned in these podcasts on my Patreon as well. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give a five-star rating. God bless.